Welcome to Healing Your Families, where we address six areas of health for families, emotional, financial, mental, physical, social, and spiritual. And in this episode, I want to talk about five steps to strengthen a relationship. And these principles can actually apply to any relationship, professional, as well as family. But of course, I want to focus on family relationships. And by the time I'm through, hopefully you will understand why this is more important than ever before. So let's start with the first step. And that is to understand that relationships aren't stagnant, just as you wouldn't water a plant once and then set it aside and trust that it would grow. Relationships take effort, they take work, they take nurturing, and they don't remain stagnant and they aren't even linear. They actually go in a cycle. So let's talk about the four phases of a relationship. Now, the first one is that blue area. That's the initial. That's the very beginning. When it's new, it's exciting. It's wonderful. It just looks full of promise. It's like when you're the first day on the job for what the, the job you've been pursuing for years and now you finally have it and you're so excited and it's just going to be a brilliant career from here on out. Or it's when you are making a commitment with the most marvelous human being. You know that you're just going to get married and live happily ever after. Or when you hold that precious newborn in your arms for the first time and you're lost in awe of the miracle of this beautiful human being. It's new. It's exciting. Maybe you're not even thinking of any problems that could be arise, that could arise. But of course, quickly after this phase, and the length of the phases varies from relationship to relationship, circumstance to circumstance, but then comes the learning. You find out this ideal job has its drawbacks. It's not perfect. You find out that this wonderful man leaves his dirty socks in the living room and burps. You find out that this beautiful, perfect baby grows into a toddler. You find out you don't just get married and live happily ever after. There are problems, there are challenges. And this leads to the third phase, the doubting. Now you're starting to wonder, did I make the right decision? Is it time to brush off the resume and look for a new job? Maybe even a career change. Did I marry the right person? Am I cut out to be a mother? Maybe I'm not ready for that. And of course, you come face to face with the reality that there are no returns or exchanges for toddlers or teenagers. This is bleak, this is dismal, it causes us pain, but understand it is a natural part of the relationship cycle. 
you don't want to stay here. You want to move quickly to that fourth phase. This is called the deciding. This is when you do your best thinking. You're the most logical, the most effective at deciding. Maybe you take out a sheet of paper and you list the advantages of this job and the disadvantages and determine are the advantages outweighing the disadvantages or is it time to put in your two weeks notice? Now, this is where the difference becomes glaring between a professional relationship and a family relationship. It is easier to leave a job than a family. You're, it's in your heart. You made a commitment and you want to remain true. You, there is love between this and between you and, and the other person. So maybe in this deciding phase, it looks more like the hard questions. By now you figured out that you can't control the other person. The only person you can control is yourself. You can influence the other person in the relationship, but the only person you, the only one you can, you can only control what you say, think, or do. You can't control anyone else. So you start asking yourself, what can I do to improve this relationship? Is there something I need to change? Is there a different way to approach this conflict we're having, this problem? And at the end of this phase, you either leave, you go off and find another job, or you recommit. And you, you go back into the, it's new, it's exciting. Our Relationship is even stronger than before. And then you'll come across a new challenge, a new problem, start to wonder again, and then make your decisions, recommit again. Understand all four phases are a normal part of the relationship cycle. And the more often you go through them, the stronger your relationship becomes. You find you're growing together. You're both changing and evolving, but you're doing it together. And of course, before you make any major decisions, before you get married, buy a house together, have a child together, it's best if you've gone through all four phases at least once, at least get to that decision phase where you are making, doing your most logical thinking, thinking objectively and realistically. Step one, understand that your relationship has phases. Don't be afraid of them. Make good use of them, especially that deciding phase. And keep that relationship alive and healthy and growing. Relationships take work. That's step one. Now, step two is about safety. Safety is the most, one of the most basic human needs. We all need to feel safe. And this is true in a relationship. We can't be our best self in a relationship if we don't feel safe. 
Timothy Clark wrote the book, Four Stages of Psychological Safety, and he wrote it for corporate America. It was written for employers to help them understand how to keep their employees, how to keep them engaged and thriving and growing. But the same principles apply to family relationships. So let's go through them. The first stage is belonging. You, everyone needs to feel like they're a part of the team. They wanna know that they're in that family group picture too. The second one is they need to feel like it's safe to ask questions. No one's going to make fun of them or put them down if they don't know everything and they need to ask. The third is that they need to feel like it's safe to contribute, that they can voice their opinion and answer and say what they think it should be and be accepted. And the highest, the fourth, the highest stage of psychological safety. And the one that is most threatening for employers and the parents of teenage children is they need to feel that it is safe to question, that it's safe for them to question you, to question the family structure, family tradition. Why have we always done it that this way? What about that? And it's natural as humans, we want to feel in control. It can be kind of scary to give another person permission to question you. But what better way is there to grow and become your best self? And when you do this with your child, you build a bond. They learn to trust you. When they go through, during the teen years, they will, they will be making decisions that could impact the rest of their life. And they will know that they can trust you. You will become that trusted mentor that they want to go to to discuss these issues and to hear your input because they know that you want what's best for them. Creating a safe space is essential in any relationship, but especially in a family relationship between husband and wife and between parent and child. That's our second step. Now, obviously, communication is an important step in a relationship, but I want to focus on the part of communication we often overlook. And that's listening. Listening is probably the most important part of communication. And listening, active listening, means that we're listening with our whole attention. We're not trying to multitask and do something else while we're half-heartedly listening to what someone else has to say. We're maintaining eye contact. We're listening to the words they say, their facial expressions, their body language, to the things they don't say. We're asking clarifying questions because we want to understand. And we're rephrasing. So I hear you saying that, or it sounds like you feel 
and letting them know that we care enough about them that we want to understand their feelings and what it is that they want to say. And parents, if you feel like your children don't listen to you, ask yourself, how well do you listen to them? If you want to teach your children how to listen, demonstrate it. Let them see you totally wrapped, experience you totally wrapped up in listening to them, to understand, to care about them. Listening, especially active listening, is the third important step in strengthening a relationship. Now, of course, there will be conflict. It's inevitable. You, there will always be disagreement. The fourth step is learning how to resolve conflict with respect. And I like to use respect as an acronym. So the R stands for respect. And many people argue, and I believe, that respect is even more important in family relationships than love. Certainly respect is important in a professional relationship. But think about it. Love gets us feeling really comfortable. We feel like I know this person so well, and they know me. I can say what's on my mind. They'll still love me. Have you ever found yourself saying something cruel and even hurtful to someone you loved that you might have refrained from saying to someone you respected? Because when you respect someone, you value their opinion. You care about their feelings. You want them to succeed and get what they want just as much as you want what you want. So R stands with respect. When we approach a conflict when in any relationship, start with respect. Now the E stands for everyone has a voice, even young children need to know that they have a voice, that they can say, express how they feel without being shushed or scolded or told, no, 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 it's no big deal. Everyone needs to have a voice when there is that conflict. And, and we don't need to be afraid of conflict. Conflict can actually strengthen a relationship when it's handled the right way because you come to a deeper understanding. Your love grows. It's the contention. It's the blaming, the shaming, the verbal, abusive, loud language that damages relationships. Using this RESPECT acronym strengthens relationships. So S stands for support each other. You know what you want. You know what your goals are. But you want the other person to get reach their goals too. And this doesn't happen overnight. It's not like some sitcom where all problems can be neatly resolved within 30 minutes. The P is for patience. It takes patience. It's going to take more than one conversation. Sometimes it's going to take more than 100 conversations. E is for empathy. 
being able to walk in the other person's shoes, feel what they're feeling, understand their concerns, care about them. C stands for collaboration. Quite often in a conflict, we think of it as like a boxing match where I need to convince you that I'm right and you're wrong. When you collaborate, you aren't seeing the other person as the problem. You are removing it. You're saying, here's this separate issue that has come between us. Let's you and I work together and solve this issue and get it out of our way. And the T stands for take time to find the win-win. With patience, with empathy, with collaboration, you will find the solution that suits both of you. You may have to think outside of the box. You may have to, have to do things differently than you've ever done them before. But there is a solution. Keep communicating until you find the solution that benefits everyone. Find the win-win. Now, the last step is simply to serve. Now, I love this picture. My grandchildren helped me with my technology. I got my new iPhone. I took my granddaughter with me. I think she was only 12. And she got me all set up on that, showed me how to use it. That is a service. I'm going to remember that all my life. To strengthen a, a relationship, serve each other. Look for ways to serve, to help them. A kind word, encouragement. If you know they're trying something new, support them. Going to their games, their performances. And also serve together as a family. This brings a feeling of unity as you're in a common purpose. You're, you're focused on someone else and it bonds you in this act of service. I know of some families who forego the big Thanksgiving dinner at home and instead go serve at a soup kitchen and feed the homeless, pe people who are homeless and don't have anywhere to go to enjoy a, a nice Thanksgiving dinner. Serving together is the fifth step to strengthen a relationship now I want to explain why this matters. You may have noticed that there is some uncertainty in the world, some confusion, some turmoil, some angst. For our mental well and emotional and social well-being, we need a safe haven, a place where we are accepted and loved and nurtured and supported. A place of safety, security, and stability. And families can provide that safety. Families are the foundation of society. Children who are raised in this environment where they are loved by two parents, by, by parents and siblings, and 
they are encouraged to pursue their talents and interests, grow up to be confident, to believe in themselves, and they're ready to serve others. They grow to be the leaders who become the problem solvers, the peacemakers. And our world needs these kind of leaders. Mothers, you are raising these leaders. Grandmothers, aunts, friends, neighbors, you are their support system. We can make this happen. We can make the world a better place by strengthening families, especially those precious, precious relationships. Now, what's holding us back? Well, I can sum it up in one word. I know what it was for me. As a young mother, I seriously wished that I could just have my emotions surgically removed. They were holding me back. I, I couldn't see any benefit. I wanted to be the calm, patient, loving mother, managing my emotions, always giving my children that encouragement, that patience. And it never failed. It would be, next thing I knew, I would be, something would trigger me and I would be flying off the handle and engaging in behavior I had promised myself I would never do. Well, it took time. I felt like the mother in this picture. I started out the day with good intentions and something would happen. So I started to study. I wanted to learn about emotions. Where did they come from? How did you deal with them? How do you manage them? And I learned after reading several books and studies in my personal and professional life that emotions are energy. And just as we can convert any form of energy, we can convert the energy of our emotions to reach our goals. We can use our emotions rather than allowing them to use us. So I wrote this guide, eight steps on how you can change that, that negative knee-jerk reaction. Something happens, a trigger, and you just fly off the handle. How you can change that negative reaction to a positive response. You're still addressing the problem. You're not denying it. You're not stuffing down your emotion. You're just taking a route that's going to be more effective at bringing, your, bringing the result that you want. So I want, I want you to have this guide. It's free. Just go to emmalupenrod.com forward slash eight steps, and that's the number eight, and you can get a copy of this guide. It's called Steps to Change Your Negative Response to positive, and it covers incidents that happen before, you know, those, you know what those triggers are, those times when you really struggle to keep your calm, keep your cool, before, during, and after. Preparation is huge. Please take advantage of that, of this offer. 
And join me again next week at the same time as we continue to talk about how we can strengthen families. This is Emily Penrod with HealingYourFamilies.com.